know, the question that my guess every single person here has been asked sometime in their life is what do you want to be when you grow up? Right? We get that question all the time when we're kids. I remember as a kid when, when everything is wide open, right? I would answer that with I'm going to be a fireman or I'm going to be a baseball player. For a while, it was, I'm going to be a garbage man because on Mondays at 11 o'clock, I loved watching that garbage truck come and take the garbage away, right? Even professional basketball player was in there for a little while, but that dream died quickly, all right? What, what are you going to be when you grow up? Fun questions to dream about when you're a kid. It wasn't so much fun when I was a high schooler and I was a senior. I was about to graduate, and that's when everybody comes back around to that question again and says, okay, so what are you going to do with your life? And when I was a senior, I had no clue. And so I just answer again and again, I don't know. I don't know. First two years of college, right? I didn't have a major chosen. What are you going to do? I don't know. It's not nearly as much fun as saying garbage man or something like that when you just don't know. And then once you choose pastor as your profession and you say, yeah, I'm going to be a pastor, that doesn't excite people a whole lot. Not as much as baseball player or basketball player or something like that. In fact, I was reading the other day, Frederick Beekner. When he decided to become a pastor, went to seminary, somebody in his church asked him what he was doing, and he said, I'm going to seminary to become a pastor. And her response, he said, was, was that your own idea, or were you, were you poorly advised? Right? Great. So what are you going to be when you grow up? There's something I really don't like about that common question. Because that question kind of implies to the person that we're asking it to, that what you are right now doesn't really matter. What you are right now isn't all that important. What, what's important is what you're going to become. Right? So we're, we're assuming, we're implying that you really don't matter right now. What are you going to be when you really matter, when it really matters? And so if you were here last week as we began our Life Stages series, we, we learned that our littlest children aren't just the future of the church, they are the church today, right? The, the little ones that are part of this community matter immensely to God. We're going up that, the age bracket now. And this morning we're going to hear God speaking to those of you who are, who are in the growing years. It's hard to put an age to this. Let me tell you what the growing years are. It's your season of life when, when whether you realize it or not, sometimes it's kind of subconscious, you're, you're in the process of, of discovering. You're discovering your identity by asking the question, who am I? And you're, you're discovering where you belong in this world by asking the question of where do I fit? And you're discovering your purpose by asking, what difference do I make? Those are questions that we're sorting through often when we're in middle school, when we're in high school, when we're in college, many of us ask those questions as we continue to go through life. But those growing years often are in those middle school, high school, and college years. And many of you here are right in the middle of your growing season, of that prime growing year window. And I think God has the message for you specifically this morning. This morning we're going to hear God speaking through Paul to a young man named Timothy who was still in his growing season. In fact, if you have your Bibles, take them out and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 
We're going to start at verse 11, which is towards the end of the chapter. So it's at the very bottom of your page. 1 Timothy 4, page 961 in your Bibles. And before we read, read these verses, let me tell you about Timothy. Let me set the context for you. Timothy, he was a new pastor to a, a brand new church in the city of Ephesus. Paul had sent him there to pastor this congregation. And Timothy was still very young, young enough for people around him to not want to take him all that seriously. The, back in those days, the word young that Paul writes here usually signified anybody under the age of 40. So if you're 35, they consider you young. Congratulations, you're young again, right? So anybody under the age of 40 is this young category. And Timothy was probably somewhere in his mid to early 30s at this time, considerably younger than many people in his congregation, considerably younger than many people who were chosen for leadership in that church. And they, they were kind of looking down on him because he was still this kid, this young guy. They didn't think he was quite important enough to take all that seriously quite yet. Obviously, like today, there's still division between the, the age groups, right? You have, you have your younger, your, your older folks who, who find it difficult to accept that these young whippersnappers might actually have something to say. And, it, and we sh maybe should listen to them. And you have your, your young generation who get irritated when the people older than them don't listen. Right? Nothing's new under the sun. It's still happening today. So in the first half of this chapter, of 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul lays out for Timothy all kinds of things that he needs to be teaching to his church, to his congregation as their pastor. Important things, difficult things that this young man is going to have to teach to this older generation. And he's a little bit nervous about that, right? Would they listen to him? Would they believe what he has to say? Would they even accept him as their pastor? The question really what coming out here is, could God use him when he's this young? Could God really use him? Well, listen to what Paul writes to young Timothy, starting at verse 11 of 1 Timothy 4. He says, command and teach these things. It's the things that he listed at the beginning of the chapter there. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Okay, so Paul's message to Timothy here, his message to all of you here who are still in your growing season, is that God wants to use you right now. Not just when you grow up, not just when you get older. He wants to use you now. You don't need to be all grown up to be used by God. He said, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. 
And Timothy, do not neglect your gift that's already been given to you. Don't set it aside. Use it. Because God wants to use you right now. In fact, sometimes if you wait until you are all grown up, until you graduate or until you get married or whatever marker you want to use, if you wait until then to be used by God, if you keep delaying and saying, God, I'll, I'll serve God then, then it might be too late. You see, you are already right now in this growing season becoming who you will be. You're already becoming who you will be. Think about that for a moment. When someone asks you, what are you going to be when you grow up? You don't need to have an answer to that question because sometimes we just don't know. Sometimes we can't see into the future a specific career that's there. But the truth is, in many ways, you are already starting to answer that question right now when you are young. Whether you know it or not. You're already cultivating certain interests and certain abilities that may just determine what you're going to be when you grow up. So if as a a young person you love animals and you spend all your time around animals, well, that might help you if you're going to become a vet or a zoologist or a biologist. Your interest is already beginning to come to the top. If you love music, if you're learning to play multiple instruments, you just might be a musician. You might teach music. You're already beginning to discover those things. If you can't get enough of fashion and hairstyles, you might be well on your way to, towards designer or beautician. If, you, if as a kid you couldn't get enough of stacking blocks and then Legos and then building robots, sign you up for engineering. You're already cultivating those, those abilities. You're already starting to become who you're going to be. And it often works the same way in your relationship with God. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can move any way he wants. The Holy Spirit can radically change a heart at the drop of a hat in in any moment. But often the Holy Spirit works gradually, growing you, developing you, growing that relationship with God. And so, and so as a young person in these growing years, if you say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start to read the Bible now and learn how to do that, often the Holy Spirit will keep growing that and growing, and you will become someone who reads the Bible. If in these growing years you say, I really want to discover what it means to serve and to volunteer, then the Holy Spirit's going to grow that in you. And as you get older, you are going to end up being, most likely, somebody who serves and volunteers. If as a young person in your growing years, you say, right now is when I need to start to try to make God number one in my life, more important than sports, more important than popularity, more important than making money. I need to start now to try and figure that out and make that happen. I'm going to fall. I'm going to I'm going to have a hard time with that, but I'm going to try. The chances are you'll be better at it as you get older. And and a good chance that when you grow up and become whatever adult marker you want to use, you will be able to put God number one above your career, above making money, above being popular, above sports. So you're already starting to become who God has made you to be. The Holy Spirit wants to work in you right now. And so his call to you, 
in the middle of your growing years is to take a stand for God right now while you're young. Don't wait. You don't have to wait till you're 19 or 25 or 30 or whatever age you want to pick. Yes, the Holy Spirit might flip a switch when you turn 30. I pray he does if he needs to. But give the Holy Spirit a chance to grow you to who you need to be right now, all along the way. In fact, Paul even takes that one step further. He tells Timothy, and he tells all of us here in our growing years as well, that when you are young, you are also called to set an example for older people to follow. That's his word. Set an example. Be an example. Seems backwards to us, doesn't it? We often say to you in the older generation, you need to set an example for the younger people to look at and learn from. And that's true. Paul here flips that on its head, though. He says, Timothy, you young person in your growing years, you need to set an example for the older generations to be looking at. Stand up for God, especially now when you are young, so that we as the older generation can see that and learn from you. In fact, Paul goes on to tell Timothy, to give Timothy five specific areas of his life where where God wants to use him, wants to use you in your growing years to be an example for the rest of us to see and to learn from. Comes in verse 12. And so listen to these carefully. This is what he's asking you to do right now, to cultivate and develop in your life. He says, first of all, be an example in your speech, in the words you use. He says, be careful with your tongue, with what you say and how you say it. Remember what the Apostle James writes about the tongue? James chapter 3. He says, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is set on fire itself by hell. Whoa, there's a lot of... A lot of power there. And we need to learn how to control this tongue, which can spew evil and fire and burn. And you know when's the time to learn to control it? Right now. Along the way. Tame it. Sometimes wild animals get tamed in an instant. Very rarely. Most often they get tamed over time. Now's the time to start taming your speech, your tongue. Do the words you speak right now, do they encourage others? Do they build them up? Or do they tear them down and hurt them? Is the tone of the voice that you use, is it honorable or is it bitter and mean? Are the words that you speak, are they beautiful or are they vulgar and ugly? People are listening to what you're saying. Be an example for Jesus in your speech. Do that now. Second, be an example in your conduct, in all of your actions. This really, as you know, goes hand in hand with your words, right? If you use all the right words about Jesus, if you speak beautifully about him, but your actions that people see are ugly and mean and cruel, do you think people are going to believe your words? No. Because actions speak louder than words, right? So you must be a representative of Jesus Christ 
in your daily actions now, in your daily living while you are growing, while you are young. Do it while, of course, when you're here at church, you're on your best behavior, right? But, but make that best behavior happen when you're at home and when you're at school and when you're in the hallway and on the playground and when you're on the baseball field or the soccer field or when you're cheering in the stands or when you're, when you're in your dorm room at college or when you're sitting in your final exam or when you're out for the weekend with your friends. People are watching. You are teaching us what it means to be a Jesus follower in your actions. Third, Paul says, be an example. Set an example in your love. You can say all the right things, and you can do all the right things, and if you're doing them all for the wrong reason, it's empty. If you aren't doing them out of love, love for Jesus, love for the people that Jesus loves, then they're empty words and they're empty actions. That's what we learn from 1 Corinthians 13, isn't it? Right? Remember that verse? It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and I have faith that can move mountains but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. All your good works, all your great actions, they don't mean anything if you don't love the people around you the way that Jesus loves them. If you don't care about them the way that Jesus cares about them. So in learning how to love Jesus, in learning how to love the people ar uh, around them, we need to start that learning right now when we're young. Fourth, be an example in your faith. In other words, have, have courage to live for God and be obedient to him. That's what faithfulness is all about, right? True faith gives Jesus control over all the choices that you make. Who you choose to be your friends. How you treat your boyfriend and girlfriend, including the boundaries you set there. How you spend your money. How you treat your parents. What career you choose. Faith keeps Jesus at the center of all of those choices. Listens intently for his voice and his direction. And then dares to follow. Dares to be obedient when Jesus speaks. And that's hard. Because if you are listening to God and he tells you where he wants you to be and what he wants you to do and who he wants you to become, and you follow, you will stand out from the crowd. You will stand out from your classmates at school. You will stand out on your college campus. You will stand out in your workplace. You will be different from this world around you. Do you dare do that? Do you trust God and have faith enough that you will say yes to the choices that Jesus asks you to make. People are watching to see if you will. Set an example of faithfulness. Finally, he says, show us an example of what it means to be pure. Teach us purity. This means that we need to live with integrity. That's what he's talking about here. Integrity means that you are the same inside and out. 
You are the same at all times in all places. That means your your words are the same here at church as they are at home, as they are at school, as they are out on the soccer field, as they are when you're out with your friends on the weekends. Your words are the same. Your speech is the same. It means your actions are the same when your teacher is in the room as when your teacher is out of the room. Your actions are the same if your teacher is present, if your professor is present, if your boss is present, and if your pastor is present. I had it twice this past week. I was walking through a hallway, and and people who knew me saw me coming. I heard them say, watch what you say. The pastor's coming, right? I'm sure they were joking. I'm sure it was funny. But, you know, you think about that. It shouldn't make any difference, should it? It should not make any difference if I am in your conversation or out of your conversation. It should all be the same. You should have the same words, the same tone. It should not make any difference on your social media posts if I'm following you or if I'm not following you. It should all be the same. It should all be godly and holy and upbuilding. As we prayed earlier, Jesus is listening. He's always there not to judge you. He's not there to to strike you down. But he sees all of our actions. He hears all of our words. He's looking for integrity and holiness to be the same inside and out at all times and all places. Choose integrity in your life. When you're in these growing years, model that for us. As we see it growing in you, we will grow it in us. You know, Paul is is writing to young Timothy here in this letter. And I'm convinced that God is speaking to all of us. All of us, especially who are in the growing years right now, middle school, high school, college, maybe beyond. Maybe it's a growing season for you, no matter your age. And what Paul is saying to us is you don't need to wait to grow up in order to make a difference for God. You don't need to wait until you grow up to be used by him. You don't need to wait until you grow up to have a living, breathing relationship with God. He doesn't want to wait. You don't need to wait until you grow up to teach people. Teach people all around you, including some of us old people, about Jesus through your speech, through your life, through your love, through your faith, through your purity. Don't let people look down on you because you are young. Now is the time for you both to learn and to lead. What do you want to be when you grow up? I think that's that's the wrong question for us to be asking. Instead, we should be asking, who are you growing up to be? Who are you already growing up to be? Because you're already becoming some of who you're going to be. So if you're in your growing years, how would you answer that question? Who are you growing up to be? Are you growing up to be who God designed you to be? Are you already discovering what God has prepared for you? Could you honestly say that you are growing up to be a Jesus follower? You're not all there yet. You're still figuring it out. But you're growing up to that. These growing years are the time for you to start becoming who God 
created you to be. So listen to Paul when he says, do not neglect your gift. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Start now. God wants to use you right now. And we're watching you. We're ready to learn from you right now. So who are you already growing up to be? Let's pray about that. Would you join me? Father, we thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit. Your Holy Spirit that moves in so many mysterious and wonderful ways and sometimes miraculous ways. And we're grateful when you get a hold of someone's heart in those kind of miraculous ways. And we are also grateful when you work through us and in us day by day, moment by moment, as you gradually transform us into who you've created to be. Don't let us miss those moments. Don't let us ignore your spirit's call to us while we are young. Thank you for telling us that we are your workmanship created in you, Christ Jesus, to do good works which you have prepared in advance for us to do. Give us a passion to discover what those good works are. Give us a passion to discover who it is that you have created us to be. And help us, no matter our age, to begin to become a Jesus follower. To learn what it means to say yes to you, God. And to experience the move of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what we depend on. We depend on you. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd move in the hearts of every person in this room, but maybe specifically praying for those in the growing years. Spirit, move in their hearts, move in their minds, move in their lives. So that right now, they'd be willing to be and become who you've designed and created them to be. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray these things. Amen.